Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. One of the things that I like to read about is churches and uh, the history and, and, and doc, study doctrines and sound doctrine and all that. But how many know that there's reasons why the unchurched choose a church? Number one reason that the unchurched choose a church is because they like the pastor. Seriously, seriously, the number one, 90% of the respondents by Rayner and his research, they like the pastor, they like the preaching. So here we are. How many enjoyed Pastor RJ and Mary? Come on now. How many enjoyed Pastor Howie and Marcia? Amen. So here we are. Number two is doctrines. And we believe very, very strongly in sound doctrine. We don't want to just present something that is not biblically substantiated uh, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Everything we teach, let everything be established. And then the friendliness of members is you. Number three, come on. Okay, number four is other issues, and number five is someone at church witness to them. Okay, which brings us all to that place, and then the reason that people actually attend to church, not just come to church, but now attend to church, is because number one is they like the doctrine that is taught. 58%. So the unchurched like the pastor, but the other ones like the church, the doctrine, the preaching. Come on. And then number two is 53% of the people uh, responded in the number two, and they said they care for each other. How many care about lost people? I'll ask it again. How many care about lost people? Number three is preaching. And number four is the friendliness of the people. Number five was the children's program. Number six is helping the poor. And then we can go on. Number Liking the pastor is number eight. It goes way down, so after a period of time, they don't like me, okay? So you just got to live with this part of the suffering of Christ. No, just teasing. But yeah, we feel very loved here. But anyway, uh, how many know that it's Christmas time? You know, we don't knock people that just come Christmas and Easter. We want to put a hook inside them so they'll come all the time. So they can have community. They can have the Word of God. They can be fed. They can be nourished. They can be restored and made whole. So anyway, our ushers have tickets for you this morning over here. And we printed about 5,000 of them out there. How many know if you care about people, then how many know you're going to invite people? Okay, if you care about people, then invite them. Take some tickets. Take as many as you want. We have plenty of them here. And I guarantee you, if you invite people like I'm going to invite, we have a new neighborhood that Kathy and I live in out there, and I'm taking tickets. I'm going to give them to all the families on my new street. We already have two families in WCF that are in our neighborhood that are coming already. And it's a brand new area that are already here in church with us. So we're very, very thankful for that. But we want to encourage everybody to invite a friend, bring them out, a relative, a co-worker. There's people out there that will, that will come. And you say, well, I've invited them for nine years, you know, and they just don't come. Well, usually it takes sometimes up to ten. So you're only one away, so do it again. They'll come because of your importunity, as the King James says, or your persistence, as the New Living says, but they will come. So we just encourage you to do that. Kathy, are we okay. ready? Okay, well, we started a series Ushers on, on soul winning, and uh, we talked about, a few weeks back, we talked about the six different methods of winning souls, and, but today we're going to start uh, talking about 
how to answer the hard questions. How many know when you endeavor to share your faith with people, oftentimes they come up with questions that are difficult to answer at times. And, uh, you know, you want to be able to, you know, say something intelligent to them. Obviously, we have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit does help us, but God does expect us to do our homework as well and to learn the Word, know the Word, and, and, and to be able to refute some of the arguments or some of the discussions that may come up when we start talking about the validity of the Gospel. And, you know, I, I love talking to people about it because I've been blessed in my life that I've, I've come across some amazing material. Um, and over the years, I've read a lot of this. Well, actually, all the stuff I have up here, I've read. Um, and I want to talk about a couple of them before I actually get into sharing. One of them is the book we uh, ordered a few, probably a month or more ago, The Unexpected Adventure. And this book I just read recently, but it's really the one about how to share your faith, all the different ways and methods to approach people about Christ, when not to say something, what to say, what to do if you find yourself stuck. All the stuff is there, all kind of neat stories in there. Um, and it's written by Lee Strobel and Mark Middleberg. And Lee Strobel was a very profound atheist for many, many years of his life and actually really persecuted Christians, not physically, but just made fun of them and put them down all the time. And, uh, but then he got into a dilemma when his wife got saved. She wasn't a Christian when they were married. And so then she became a Christian. And then he, he was very, very distraught about her becoming a Christian. And, but as he watched her life, he began to become curious and interested. And so he began to do incredible research, very intense research, studying all of the evidence and proof and history, interviewing people, reading books, all kinds of stuff. And, uh, and then eventually, he was actually doing it to, originally to disprove it, but ended up converting to Christianity as a result of what he found. And so, um, but this book is written by him as well as Mark Middleberg, and it's just a really, really refreshing book on, on winning souls. And then Lee ended up, after his research, uh, and getting saved, he wrote the book, The Case for Christ, it sold over 5 million copies. Uh, it's a phenomenal book, just uh, validating Jesus to be who he is, and through evidence and proof. And so he ended up uh, putting this book together, and actually I heard they're making a movie of it in April. Uh, it'll be wow. released in April. Actually, they're already making it, but it's going to be released also in April, um, a movie on this book. And uh, But we have the book here for you as well. So... Um, another book I want to recommend too, and this is one I read earlier on in my years as a Christian. It was actually in two volumes. Now they have the two volumes in one by Josh McDowell. It's called The New Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and it is fully updated in one volume to answer questions challenging Christians in the 21st century. So this book has a lot of the answers, if not you know most of the answers that would challenge you. I, I know it's a big textbook, but it's awesome book and it has some amazing information that will really help and help you strengthen your own faith as well. So these are all good materials as well as some others I'm going to mention in a few minutes. So one of the hard questions, one of the ones we're not going to obviously get to all of them today, and we can only cover just a little bit about them because of time, but one of them is how do we know the Bible is true? How many have ever heard that question? You know, how do we know the Bible is true? Now, most people that ask that question really don't know anything about the Bible. They hear, oh, it's got a lot of uh, discrepancies or, you know, different things in it that aren't relative to today. And, you know, we hear a lot of that. And, but the people that say that have probably never read the Bible or they've never for sure researched the Bible as to how it came about. And so it's important to know how the Bible came about. And, and the reason is because when, you, when people hear about 
how it came and, and all that it's done and all that's involved with it, it does change people's tune a lot. Number one, the Bible is the best-selling book ever. There's been more copies of the Bible printed yep. and sold in more languages than any other book in history. So that's, that says something right there. But we can go on from there and, and understand that there are 66 books in the Bible written by over 40 different authors, all consistent saying uh, the same message. And all of them making claims that what they were writing was of divine inspiration from God. And many of them died for what they wrote. For what they believed. And so, you know, it, it, the Bible is a book of history, it's a book of poetry, it's a book of moral values and code and life ethics. It's a book that uh, just has so much explaining who God is, explaining who we are, explaining why God made us, why he put us here, what the purpose of man was, what the purpose of the earth was, what God's intentions are. And there is no other book that explains that. There's no other book that explains all of that. And, you know, you've got to look at if God created the world, which we know he did, because he created the world, if you were going to create something, if you were going to make something, you would want to give instructions. You would mm-hmm. want to give those you created information that would help them know and understand the purpose they were made, why they were here, and what you expected of them. And that's exactly what the Bible does. And so as we read the Bible, we can see so many things that are relevant to us today. In fact, one of the most important things that really uh, helped me, I I remember when I was a new Christian and I was reading the Bible and even reading books on end times and things like that. And I, I heard things that I didn't understand and it didn't make sense to me. And even in my natural mind, I thought, you know, how can this happen? For example, back when I was first Christian, it was over 40 years ago, so you're talking quite a while ago, I remember hearing about a cashless society and that people would not be able to buy or sell, which is a prophetic uh, prophecy in the Bible. And um, so I read about a, a cashless society and I, I remember thinking, like, how can that ever happen? And now you can see how and why it will happen. Mm -hmm. Because of all the identity theft and all of the things going on, you can see that we are headed towards a cashless society. I also read about a one world order. Beheading of the saints. You know, that was another one. A one world order. You couldn't see that back then. And then uh, I read about the beheading of the saints. I remember reading about that thinking, you know, they don't behead people anymore. Right? And so there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of prophecies in the Bible that have already come to pass. And you can see the writing on the wall for those that haven't been fulfilled yet, but you can see that they will be. Mm -hmm. And there's no other book in existence that has that many prophetic words by people that no longer are here that couldn't possibly see or know those things happening on their own but now they've happened or have happened. Jesus himself fulfilled over 300 prophetic words, prophecies in the Bible. Jesus himself. And you can study that. I don't have time to teach all that, but you can do research Uh on that and study that and find out. In fact, I think probably he has a lot of, where he does have a lot of that in here. But but we have to understand that the, the word of God is powerful. 
It is very powerful. It is, it is the most powerful book that has changed more lives, transformed Shine. more people, changed Shine. more people's circumstances, changed and healed relationships, and done more good in this world than any other book in history. Mm-hmm. So when we understand the facts about the Bible, and again, I'm only giving you the highlights. So I, I, you know, I can't go into all the details of all the specific prophecies because of time. But you know what? You need to know stuff like this because we can't just dismiss the Bible as another book. It is not another book. And, and one of the prophecies that's happening today that uh, are in the Bible is the, prophet, the prophetic word that in the last days they will call evil good and good evil. One of the things that is now out there being proclaimed in Canada and the U.S. is the Bible is being called hate literature. How many have heard that? Come on, yep. It's being called hate literature. And yet the Bible, the message of the Bible, and the commandments of God are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the the underlying message of of the Bible. And the purpose of what we're here for and what we're to do in our relationship with God. And yet, they're calling it hate literature. They're calling it the opposite of what it is. Which is another fulfilled prophecy. So many people know the Bible. They, they quote different things from the Bible. You can hear political politicians quoting the Bible. And oftentimes, it's got a twist on them. Uh, you know, I remember people, you know, when I started sharing with them, they says, well, Jesus changed the water into wine. Come on, and they, they'll use that as an example. That might be the only thing they ever know and ever heard, but they do know that one, okay? So I say all that because in the Thessalonian culture of that their day, the Bible says you accepted what we said as the very word of God. Hebrews teaches us that the word of God is living. It's alive and it's powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. We can see Mark says you canceled the word of God in order to hold on to your traditions. The reason that Kathy and I are sharing on this here right now as a fundamental laying a foundation is because my people, God says, are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. We need to not just know who it is we believe in, but we need to know why we believe what we do. And, so, and be able to defend the faith, okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 says, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then in Timothy, he teaches us this here, and these are epistles that I try to go through every day. I put it on, and I listen to it in the New Living. I listen to it in the Message. I listen to it in the Amplified, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. And now I've been adding even to that James, because those are all what we call the ministerial epistles. But he says in 2 Timothy 3, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So we understand the importance, and we understand the value of what the Scripture says uh, to you and I today. He didn't say some Scripture, but he said all Scripture. The only thing, they didn't even have the whole New Testament written by this here time when the uh, Apostle Paul was executed, but we do know that all Scripture is given by God. It's God-breathed, 
And it's profitable for instruction. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable to warn. It's profitable for our lives. So we have to ask ourselves this here simple question. We hear so much teaching today in the body of Christ about reaching your destiny, the goal that God has for your life, the plan that God has. And those things are all very, very important. But what I've learned in the simplicity is what does the Bible say is the purpose that why I'm here? Everybody look at your chair. Everybody look at your chair. How many know the chair has a purpose? What's the purpose of that chair? To sit on. What's the purpose of the cushion on the chair? To make your butt feel a little bit better. Anybody ever sit on a hard seat without a cushion? Okay, so why do you have a cushion on the seat? For comfort. Okay, let me ask you a question. Anybody put gel in your hair today? Anybody use hairspray? Raise your hand. Okay, so if you put, what's the purpose of the hairspray? To hold it up. You can have the loose look. You can have the, come on. Everything you do has a purpose. Let me tell you, every bird has a purpose. Every insect has a purpose. Every animal has a purpose. And we're going to be going over that. But how many know, as human beings, we also have a purpose. People want to know, what's my purpose in life? Well, it's the million-dollar question. If I tell you that there, how many would believe what the Bible says is your purpose? Ecclesiastics chapter 12. He says over there, verse number 11 in the New Living, the words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick which a shepherd drives the sheep. But my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless and much study wears you out. Now listen to this here. That's the whole story. Here now, I will, here now, I, my final conclusion, fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. King James, this is everyone's purpose. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether it's good or whether it's bad. The Message Bible says the last and final word is this here. Fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out into the open, judge it according to its hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. Now, how many in your life have done some uh, right things, but you did them with the wrong motives? Come on, at times, come on. Okay, how many have had something secret inside your life that, that you wish you didn't have, but you did have it, but you had it inside? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, we're gonna get the front row to give some testimonies, all right? Okay, we've all been there, but how many know the Bible teaches us what our duty is, what our purpose in life is? Our purpose in life is to reverence, is to, not to be afraid of God like that. That's not what it's speaking about, all, but to honor God. Our purpose is to reverence God. So we can sum that up. Literally, our purpose is to put God number one in our life. And then literally, second thing is just do what he tells you. How many know when God tells you to do something, it's only there to benefit your life? When God says forgive if you have ought against any, how many know the forgiveness will keep you in, uh, unforgiveness will keep you in a prison house? So when God tells you to forgive, there's a reason. When God says, watch out lest the root of bitterness bring up and whereby many are going to be troubled, many are going to be defiled, many are going to be shamed. Well, what, what does that mean by that there? Watch out. In other words, there's warnings in there in what God has to say. 
In the same respect, the Bible says that the scriptures are given not just to correct us, but also to teach us what is right and to teach us what is wrong. Because we live in a culture today in a society, people don't even know what's right or wrong anymore. And that's why we're teaching this here, so you don't be destroyed because of ignorance. You don't be destroyed of lack of knowledge. And we're going to be covering a few points in a moment that I believe is going to be very important for you to understand. One of the other issues that we face with, with or face when we're sharing our faith is the whole evolution issue. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes, but I want to mention another book. It's called Voices from the Edge of Eternity. And I'm very excited that we got this book because I had this book... Uh, somebody gave it to me when I was a new believer, and I read it like five times, and it just really gave me an eternal perspective, mm -hmm. and it was a very powerful book. It has over 250 deathbed testimonies of people and what they experienced on their deathbed as they were dying. Uh, some have had good experiences, obviously seeing heaven or seeing Jesus. Some had hell experiences, and uh, but it's a lot of famous people. Their deathbed experiences are in here as well. The testimonies like Martin Luther, Voltaire, John Wesley, Joan of Arc, Thomas Paine, Charles Darwin, Queen Elizabeth I, John Calvin, Neapolitan Bonaparte, King Charles IX of France, Peter the Great, and so on and so forth. And so the, this powerful book, They're, the testimonies are really, really, really good. And uh, just what people go through as they're going from this realm into the next realm. And one of the testimonies, though, that is in this book is one that uh, I printed copies of and I've used it many times over the years and given it even to people. Um, and it's the testimony deathbed testimony of Charles Darwin. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, how many have heard this? Anybody heard this testimony? A couple of you have. Okay, but I'm going to read it because the rest of you haven't heard this. So um, again, the, this testimony is in this book, but it's, there's a woman called Lady Hope who spent a lot of time visiting Charles Darwin when he was in, on his deathbed. And I'm going to go and just read right from from the book. It may surprise many students of evolution to learn that in the closing days of his life, Charles Darwin returned to his faith in the Bible. The following account is told by Lady Hope of Northfield, England, a wonderful Christian woman who was often at his bedside before he died. So this is now her account. It was one of those glorious autumn afternoons that we sometimes enjoy in England when I was asked to go in and sit with Charles Darwin. I used to feel when I saw him what his fine presence would make, that his fine presence would make a grand picture for our Royal Academy, but never did I think so more strongly than on this particular occasion. He was sitting up in bed, propped up by pillows, gazing out on a far-stretching scene of woods and cornfields which glowed in the light of a marvelous sunset. His features lit up with pleasure as I entered the room. He waved his hand toward the window as he pointed out the beautiful sunset scene beyond. In his other hand, he held an open Bible, which he was always studying. What are you reading now, I asked. Hebrews, he answered, the royal book, I call it. Then as he placed his finger on a certain passages, he commented on them. I made some allusions to the strong opinions expressed by many on the history of the creation and then their treatment of their earlier chapters of the book of Genesis. He seemed distressed, his fingers twitched nervously and a look of agony came over his face and he said, I was a young man with uninformed ideas. I threw out queries, suggestions, wondering all the time about everything and to my astonishment, the ideas took off like wildfire. People made a religion of them. Then he paused, and after a few more sentences on the holiness of God and the grandeur of this book, looking tenderly at the Bible, which he was holding all the time, he said, 
I have a summer house in the garden which holds about 30 people. It is over there, pointing through the open window. I want you very much to speak here. I know you read the Bible in the villages. Tomorrow afternoon, I would like the servants on, the, on this place, some tenants and a few neighbors to gather there. Will you speak to them? What shall I speak about, I asked. Christ Jesus, he replied, in a clear, emphatic voice, adding in a lower tone, and his salvation. Is not that the best theme? Then I want you to sing some hymns with them. You lead, you lead on your small instrument, do you not? The look of brightness on his face as he said this, I shall never forget. For he added, if you make the meeting at three o'clock in the afternoon, the window will be open and you will know that I'm joining in with the singing. Was there ever a more dramatic scene? The very soul of tragedy is here exposed to us. Darwin, enthusiast for the Bible, speaking about the grandeur of this book, reminded of that modern evolutionary movement in theology, which linked with skeptical criticism, has destroyed biblical faith in multitudes. Darwin, with a look of agony, deploring it all and declaring, I was a young man with uninformed ideas. What an overwhelming criticism. The uninformed ideas of the young man Darwin are the basis of modern theology. So... That is in that, the book, Voices of the Edge of Eternity. But, you know, evolution is, has been a huge stumbling block for, for multitudes of people. And when you really, what happened was when they developed the theory of evolution, it was before they could really look into the natural DNA of, of people. And one of the things, Darwin made a statement that if there were more, if, the, if more than one component had to come together to bring life, then his theory would be false. He had said that even before he got back to his Christian faith. And that has happened now, where now that they can look into the DNA of, of people, and they've discovered that there is no way we could have just happened, that we had to be intelligently designed. Now, there's another DVD that I love, and they've ordered it. It's not in yet, but it's called Unlocking the Mysteries of Life. And that DVD is a documentary, and it really talks about the whole evolution issue in great deal with scientists. And one of the people on that DVD is the man, the man that wrote the main evolution textbook that is used in all the major universities. And he himself has now declared, he's not a Christian, but he has declared that we couldn't have just happened, that we had to have been intelligently designed, that all of the evidence and what they now know that they can look into DNA, that they can, um, they can actually see that. Listen, listen, listen. The United States debt this week, they say, is going to hit $20 trillion. Why am I saying that there? Because inside of you and inside of me is an average of 10 trillion cells that you just saw in there. And every one of those, under the magnification, they tell us now that every cell has up to 10,000 parts moving all the way through. Every cell in the human body, I mean, think about that. That, to me, is the most amazing of all creation. That's not just an accident. That's not just a, that is definitely divine design. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You've been crowned with glory, and you've been crowned with honor on the inside of you. As a matter of fact, listen, how many would like to go to the moon? How many would like to take a visit to the sun? Let me ask you a question. Does the sun have a purpose? Does the moon have a purpose? If you don't believe in it, just look when there's a full moon. Okay. 
But anyway, listen carefully. Your DNA is your, what we call your genetic code. It's a unique marker that is different in every one of us in this room and everyone watching my live stream. Every one of you is unique and there's a marker inside of you. They have now mathematically come up and you can type this in the Fibonacci code. And you can even see the divine design in the stamp on all creation, the sunflower and the sun. You can see it all in there, Fibonacci code. And just go and see the divine handiwork of God in that. I'm not going to develop that this here this morning. The DNA, when we speak of this here, and it's not just on the Miami uh, news or it's not just on the programs that you're seeing today. The DNA is a fine spirally coiled thread. It's in the nucleus of every living cell that serves as a guidebook for the cells. In other words, with inside of them, they all know what they're supposed to do, how it's supposed to move, and the more that they go into this here, the more intricate that they're seeing every little cell is. And literally, you have millions of cells that, that, that die on even a daily basis. It's crazy, this whole thing. But then the, the cells know what they're supposed to do because of the DNA. The strands are so fine that you need a high-powered electronic microscope to see them, which you just saw a moment ago on one cell. And then the human genomide, the genetic code in each human cell, it's called the genomide, it contains 23 DNA molecules, each containing between 500,000 to 2.5 million nucleoid pairs in each one of these here. And then... Your DNA molecules of this size are between 1.7 centimeters to 8.5 centimeters long with uncoiled. So you can average, they actually say science says it averages out to five centimeters each one of these here. Okay? So what does that literally mean when you look at that and you break it all down? You have approximately 10 trillion cells in your body. So if you stretched out your DNA... With, we just took with the average of five centimeters. Supposed to get probably 10 centimeters, 20 centimeters of snow. Okay, so five centimeters, just an average of the cell. Stretch it out. You can go to the moon and back 1,500 times. Just with one individual's DNA. You could actually take, go to the sun and back four times just with one person's DNA. Because if you look at that there, you stretch out the DNA in all the cells end to end, they stretch over 744 million miles. The moon is only 250,000 miles away, so your DNA can stretch to the moon and back 1,500. The sun is 93 million miles away, and your DNA could reach there and back four different times. Listen, listen, listen you, you, you are amazing. <laughs> Okay, you weren't an accident. You weren't just somebody's, you know, just some chance, just some happening thing out there. You are an amazing of all of God's creation. And listen, we're going to break, going to break this here down in, in just a moment. But, but listen, on every one of you, there's markers inside of you that nobody else has. I went to Toronto eight years ago. And in Toronto, I have the Nexus, but I also have what they call the global entry now. In the global entry, you literally look into a microscope. You look into a, uh, you, you do an eye scan. And I just put my hands, I just look in there. And as soon as I do, it takes a picture and it prints out 
everything about Rickson, who I am, where I came from, where I got my papers, everything else. And I go up there and I just hand it to the agents and walk right into their country. I use this all the time. And this here, literally, there's an eye scan. There's an iris that Rickson material has that not another person is anywhere near it. Nobody else, they, they can't make a mistake on it because every one of them is so vast. Every one of them is so different. Come on. But not only that, you have, not only do you have your DNA, not only do you have, listen very carefully, not only do you have an iris that's different than everyone else, but you also have a fingerprint. Okay, they've been doing that for years, but you also have a palm print. And not only that, you have a tongue print. And not only that, you have a footprint. And not only that, you have an epidermis that's on the top of your head where all the hair follicles actually come out that no two are exactly the same. And then, then listen, on top of that, my voice, there's not another person on the whole planet that's got a tone like me. And there's not another one like her. And there's not another one like you. And if you take it, there are eight stamps inside of every human. And eight is the number of new beginning. It's the number of life in God. And every one of you has a new beginning and a new start when you came out of the womb. Glory to God. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it's so exciting when you begin to study uh, and find out all of the evidence and the facts about us and about God and about the word of God and about creation and Jesus and who he is. And, and you know, Jesus made a lot of claims and we're going to probably get into that in another week because... Um, there's just, I don't even want to begin on touching who he is and all the claims he made because it's so amazing and, and the proof of who he is and, and what happened because of what he did. But, um, you know, it's important. God has called every one of us. We're all called to reconcile people to God, to tell right. people the way to God. And it's not about us... Um, getting people to say that prayer and give their hearts to the Lord. I mean, that's great if we do that, but it's just about us informing people and letting people know there's a better way, letting people know there is a God that loves them and cares about them and that he has his hand on them and, and he created this whole world. And yes, the world's a mess and yes, there's bad things that happen, but that's because man has fallen from God and the whole purpose of his salvation is to reconcile us and bring us back to that place of right standing with him. And we're going to be talking more on that in the weeks ahead, but but it's so important that we, we just get and understand and believe, know who we believe in, know what That's we right. believe, be strong in what we believe, and be educated in what we believe so that we're not thrown off by some things that people throw at us or might say to us. And, you know, there's so much information out there on the Internet, and so much of it is lies. It's false information. And um, the people that have really taken the time to tear apart and study and, and investigate and, and find right. evidence of all the facts that we need to know, uh, the stuff is there for us. It's there for us to, to glean on and to grow and, and to help others understand. You know, there's so many things. When I witness to people, I hear so many crazy things. You know, like, oh, all they want is your money. You know, I don't see those same, I actually usually see those same people rushing to the casinos. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? You know, I always tell people, well, if you want to know what we do with the money, we're an open book. You know, right. legally, you, you have a right to look at, to find out about the books, to find That's out right. about salaries, to find out everything we do with the money. And, right. and yeah, we need money because we have to function. You have to have a building. You have to ha have programs and things going on in order for us to function as a church. And, 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 but we do use the money to help with missions and feeding 
hungry children and, you know, the woman's home and food banks and all kinds of other things. And, and, you know, people, they don't get that because it's a stumbling block. The devil has put lies and deceptions out there to keep people from knowing the truth because he'll, he, he wants them to believe all kinds of crazy things to keep them from the truth. Things like all they want is your money. There's just a bunch of hypocrites in church. Well, you know what? There is hypocrites in church because we're all imperfect. That's right. We're all a hypocrite in some way or another. And um, there's no such thing as a perfect church or perfect people in a church. But we do serve a perfect God. And we have a perfect Savior. And he's conforming us into the image of God. And, you know, they do tell us that at Christmas time, it is the most likely time. Christmas and Easter are the most likely time if you invite people to church that they will come. And it may be the only time they come, but they'll have an opportunity to hear the truth. And, and then God can start working in their lives. Because, you know, we need to be praying for people. We need to be trusting God for, for people to come into That's the right. kingdom of God. And that should be foremost in our hearts, that we care about people, <clears throat> care about lost people. Because God cares about them enough to send Jesus to the cross. And so we need to know that. I, I want to just promote one other thing, because we're going to wind down now, because it's getting late. But... Um, this is a, called the Truth Project, and actually we uh, played this in our mentor group about 10 years ago, and it's an awesome series, a 12 one-hour series, more for university students to watch, but it just deals with, it's put out by Focus on the Family, and it just deals well with done. all of the um, issues of life, the root issues of life, and what God has to say about them versus what they're being taught in the universities, and how history's even being rewritten and changed <clears throat> And I'm going to say that again. A lot of history is being rewritten right. and changed to meet the world's agenda today. That's exactly From right. what it originally was. And so they, have, they expose a lot of that on here. I do believe the um, Unlocking the Mystery of Life DVD is part of this series. It is expensive. It's $136 for this whole series. But if you want to do a home group with it, a, a group of people, and get together and watch it, it's a great <clears throat> investment. And it really answers a lot of the questions that uh, people are dealing with in their lives. But it's called The Truth Project, and its, its purpose is to help... Uh, University students especially are, you know, people that are being onslaughted mm-hmm. with a lot of false information about God and about evolution and about, you know, the Bible so that they can know the truth. And it's good. How many know they need to know the truth? So many young people, they're raised in the church and they go off to university and they get so much stuff thrown at them and they're, they're made fun of and made to feel foolish because they believe in the Bible. Yet... God is working in the universities. He is at work. And there are many young people that are coming to the Lord. And we need to focus on that and and just believe God for what God is doing. Because we have the power of God, the Spirit of God on the inside of us. Never forget that. When you go to talk to somebody about the truth of the Word of God, you are going with God in you. And we serve the only God that claims to actually live inside of us. And to reveal to us by his spirit, his wisdom and his mysteries. And and he even tells us we have the mind of Christ and we have everything we need. God has given us everything we need and and we have a great mind. You know, we have the mind of Christ, but we we need to grow and know the truth so that we can stand firm on our faith and not be moved when people try and tell us things that are contradictory to it. If you spend a lot of time watching the media today and watching, um, well, mainly the media, uh, they they will make you feel guilty for things that are, for believing things that the Word of God tells you to believe in. That's what they do. And and they'll say all kinds of things about you and shame you and make fun of you and and make you feel like you're ridiculous to believe those things because the devil tries to intimidate. 
That's right. what he tries to do. But we need to stand up. We need to be strong in our faith and stand up to that intimidation and come back with truth <clears throat> because ultimately truth will prevail and it will override the lies and expose the darkness. Right. And the word of God will change and transform <clears throat> anybody's life. It doesn't matter how opposed. In fact, usually people that are the most opposed of the gospel are likely the ones that are come, will come in to the truth because they're radical people. And, uh, and they believe what they believe. And they just, but they're misled. And they just need to know the truth. And we carry the truth in us. When we go out of these doors, when we go back into our communities, our sure. homes, our jobs, wherever we go, we're carrying the gospel with us. We're carrying the truth with us. And so there's people that just need to hear it. Because without it, there is no hope. There is no hope for this world. And so we need to just stand fast on the promises of God and trust in who we believe trust in what we believe but don't just do it blindly no study it study it know the truth and the truth sets you free amen last thing i want to just share is the difference between microevolution and macro how many know between the species of the dog how many know they get together and there's different species that's called microevolution but the one that they're talking about today is called macroevolution, and it actually requires three facts in order for this to happen in the macro. And number one is, number one is this here, positive mutations. Are you ready for this here? For a positive mutation to take place, the odds are 99.99% that they're not going to happen, and they've never had one that has. Okay, 99. Gambling in my bloodline, let me tell you, on both sides of the family, uh, that's not a very good bet that anybody would have. And so number two is they have to have natural selection, and then large amounts of time, billions upon billions of years, 99.99% of mutations are totally useless. Study it out scientifically. But the last question that I want to leave, and I'll pose to all, is this here, have you ever wondered how many fish are in the sea? Have you ever wondered how many sizes they are? What's the lengths, what's their depths, what's the wide, what's their shapes, what's their colors? Just to the fish, we won't even get into the birds, we won't even get into the mammals, we won't even get into the, just the fish of the sea. Have you ever wondered um, uh, why, uh, what it is that they eat and who provides for them to eat? Have you ever wondered what they feed upon to get their nourishment to grow? And how do you know then, uh, how do they reproduce themselves? And how do they know what depths of water that they're to stay in? And where do they sleep at? As well as uh, the other millions of species that we actually have. L listen, if, if all this here happened, and, and, and all these things happened, this macro stuff, if it all happened, then... How did we get so many different races? How many did we get so many different heights and sizes? And come on, church. And, and, and not just that, they have found, are you ready for this here? They have found now, they don't even know from the rainforest, they don't even know how many are out there, but they have already found over 1.3 million different species. And you can just type it all on there. You can go to the, the Geeks Online, Knowledge Online. Just type it in there. They have already found that many. And the best of science is saying 
it's upward between 10 million and 30 million, but we don't even know at that. There could be more than that of various species and all that. So take that into the everyday thing and then try to figure it out. But this is going to be my last statement that I'm going to make. Job challenged God, and then God came down in Job 38, and he says, okay, boy, you think you know it all? You think you're so smart? You, and your, you think you guys know it all? Well, just hang on there. It said, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man. In other words, Job, stand up like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Verse number four, Job 38. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? Who supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb and as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in the thick darkness for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. Verse number 11, I said, this far and no further will you come. Here's your proud ways must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring it to the end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay, pressed beneath the seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? Where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Come on, do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow? And seen the storehouses of hail? I've reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the paths of lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For as the waters turn to ice, as hard as rock, and the surfaces of the water freezes, can you direct the movement of the stars? Binding the clusters of Pleiades are loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the sequence of the seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Say no more. Let's all stand. Glory to God. Read the rest of the chapter. It'll blow your circuits. It all speaks about to the one, the author and the finisher of our faith. His name is Yahweh. Can you all say amen? He's the beginning and the end. He's the great I am. He's the advocate. He's the intercessor. He's the standby. He's the Holy Spirit that is with us. The spirit of wisdom, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might is on the inside of you. Don't walk out of here ignorant any longer. Walk out of here knowing who you are, knowing what he's done, knowing who's living inside you, knowing the destiny upon your life and the purpose why you're 
you're here is to honor God and to just do what he says. Why? So that things will go well inside of your life and mine. Glory to God. Praise God. Wow.